This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are talking about active working and office ergonomics. I'm honored to have the guest of today's episode. He has done his PhD in functional anatomy and biomechanics, master's in ergonomics, and bachelor degree in psychology. He describes himself as researcher, consultant, and teacher in human factors and ergonomics. Currently, he is working as a director of his company, Knowledge Sharing Events. He has also qualified recently as a fitness instructor and personal trainer. He has published over 80 official reports and 70 papers in peer-reviewed journals. He has also published 12 books and his newest book being A Guide to Active Working in the Modern Office. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Robert Bridger. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you here. So you have an interesting new book published. Could you tell more about the book and what motivated you to write the book? Well, thanks, Oli. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'm happy to do that. I I started to no- notice on social media and in the press there was a lot of talk about active office work and sitting sta- sit stand workstations and all this kind of thing. Um, but I noticed that there was quite a lot of um, detail missing. People didn't seem to understand uh, that there is a, a very large scientific literature on sitting and standing at work, you know, the pros and cons, and there's lots of advice and guidance out there. And that wasn't coming through. And I think that's partly because a lot of people who are interested in these things nowadays have come into it fairly fresh. Um, And I thought to myself, well, I think that there's um, room in the market here for a short, readable book on um, active working in the office, um, a book that um, any office worker can read and find interesting and enjoy, but at the same time, that will give them some interesting guidance and advice about how to make their own decisions. Really, it's to help people make their own decisions about whether they want to be more active um, when they're working in the office and um, what are the kind of choices, um, what options are available to them and what can they expect, how can they expect to benefit. So that's why I decided to write the book. I mean, my background is I started off um, in ergonomics. Um, I was very involved in the what we might call the first wave of office automation um, in the 1980s. Um, and so I did a lot of work then on office ergonomics, working with companies, advising them on things like seating and that kind of thing. And I also did a lot of research on seating, including a lot of research on the, uh, you know, those um, um, those kneeling chairs, you know, the balance chairs. I did a lot of research on those and other forms of seating. Mm. And then in the 90s, we moved on to doing research on standing. And we did um, a lot of experiments in the lab. I, I supervised a PhD student. And we use stereophotogrammetry, uh, three-dimensional photogrammetry, to take very accurate measurements of 
body position and posture while people worked at different standing setups, um, including standing to work at computers. So I felt that I already had a lot of um, background in this area, and it was just a question of updating it um, and putting together a, a short, interesting, informative book uh, that's full of what I hope is useful guidance. So that's the background, really, to, um, to, to the book, to why I wrote it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned that kind of in the public discussion, there was some, some information missing that we already know. What do you think are the most important things missing in the, in the discussion that this book adds to? Well, one of the most important things that's missing is, um, I think, a proper understanding of standing work. Now, you know, we see these photographs, don't we, for companies advertising standing desks and so on. And um, there seems to be this idea that standing to work um, at a computer is, is better than sitting or helpful in some ways. And although there's some evidence that in some ways it is, there's also research going back at least 60, 70 years that says that um, standing to work or standing still is actually unnatural, uncomfortable, and unhealthy and in the long term you'll increase the risk of things like varicose veins in the legs um, joint problems in the lower legs um, and so on so i felt that what, what i needed to do was to bring forward a lot of the guidance that my predecessors in ergonomics and human factors came up with 30 or 40 years ago about how to make standing healthier um, and to bring that forward into the book so not ruling off standing at all i think there are i think it could be um, 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 a catalyst for better movement, it could be useful, but standing itself isn't, uh, or standing still anyway, is something to be avoided. Um, and this is all explained um, in the book and in, in, in the way it's written. Um, and um, we know, for example, that um, when people stand still uh, for any length of time, Discomfort sets in after about 20 minutes, and after about 50 minutes, it becomes almost unbearable. Um, we published a paper on that over 20 years ago. And so I wasn't surprised when I was reviewing the modern literature on sit-stand workstations to find that when you give people sit-stand workstations in the office, they don't stand for very long. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Why, why do you think there is is this missing information that you have published papers already decades ago related to this but still it seems to be that the standing is promoted very strongly and there's not much mention about dynamic standing but it's just standing in general well you're quite right you've hit the nail on the head uh, it's dynamic standing that we need to be looking and, and movements. I think that um, to answer your question about why um, this, this information or this knowledge, scientific knowledge, hasn't been brought forward, it's partly the, because of the way that a lot of science works nowadays, not just science, but in the public um, domain as well. Um, when people do literature reviews, how far back do they go? 10 years, 20 years? Um, maybe if you want to, look, to find some really good work on standing, um, go back 30, 40 years. Um, that wasn't standing to work with computers. That research was done on people standing to work at machines in factories. 
in essence, many of the findings are the same. So in, in, when I wrote the book, um, I decided um, that I wouldn't make it like a science book. It's not heavy to read. And I wouldn't take a scientific approach to actually laying out the contents of the book. Uh, what I decided to do was to take a historical approach, um, just to make it interesting, and just start off in the first chapter by talking about posture and movement in everyday life. You know, how do people stand and move in their free time, in their spare time, you know, naturally? Um, if we look at old pictures or old sculptures, classical sculptures, look at the way standing is depicted there. Um, and we come up with some very interesting findings uh, about what natural standing is like. Um, so predominantly the weight is borne mainly on one leg. People shift their weight all the time. They nearly always, because standing on two legs is unstable. It's like a, a you know, standing, you, you, can't, you can't balance anything on two legs. You need at least three. You need a tripod, not a bipod. So what do people do normally? They lean against things. Um, or they, um, in olden days, people used to lean against, um, you know, centuries used to lean against their spears, didn't they? Uh, um, hmm. So starting off that way, by taking a, a naturalistic approach to stand, because that's really what we want to achieve, achieve in active offices. If people are going to stand, they have to be able to stand in a way that's naturalistic. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. But then what the book does is ask the next question, which is, well, why do we sit down all day in offices in the first place? And <clears throat> this is where I came up with the term um, hyper-sedentary office work. Because when offices started to appear, big offices at the beginning of the 20th century, all the technology was immobile. You know, typewriters used to weigh, mechanical typewriters used to weigh about 15 kilograms. You, know, you couldn't put one of those in your in your shoulder bag and take it down to Starbucks and have a coffee and type someone a letter on one of those. <laughs> it was stuck in one place. The telephone had a landline um, and a power supply. So that's why um, um, sedentary office work really became um, um, a big thing in the 20th century. And then following the historical approach again, around the late 1970s, 1980s, uh, we started to get what was called office automation, you know, computers appearing on desks all the time. I remember those days. Um, before then, you know, if you wanted to write a letter, you wrote it on a piece of paper by hand, got up from your desk and took it to a typist or a typing pool. They would type, left it there, went back to your desk, they would type it up, and you'd have mm -hmm. to go and get it. So everything, things were not at your desk. You had to get up and down all the time well, frequently throughout the day to do your job. Then when office automation started in the late 1970s, early 1980s, one of the big arguments for having computers on the desk for investing in this was that people wouldn't have to get up from their desks. They could do everything at the desk and that was regarded as more efficient, more productive. And that uh, heralds the beginning of what I call uh, hyper-sedentary office work. It's extremely um, unnatural uh, to sit at a desk all day. And in terms of energy expenditure, as, as you well know, sitting in an office chair all day at work isn't much different from um, staying in bed all day. Mm. Yeah, that was very interesting kind of historical perspective on how, how did we come 
come to this point and probably now we have a better possibilities to be active as we can do with the smartphone many things and we have artificial intelligence helping that maybe you can type now by just dictating it and there will be many many other tools how do you see the the future of, of office work well i'm going to put my um, i'm going to stick my neck out here and i'm going to say that i think that the age of hyper sedentary office work is dead i think it was dying before we had this um covid 19 pandemic um when everyone started working at home um I think that's accelerated uh, changes that were already taking place. And they were taking place because we have mobile technology. Uh, you know, we have laptops connected to the internet. As you say, we have smartphones. We have all of these other, all of these other things that we can do. So why do we need to be sat in one office all day long, five days a week, just to, why? Just to drink tea or coffee with our friends or work colleagues. No, we don't need to be there. In fact, from a, as a personal note, um, Ollie, it's quite interesting. When I wrote the book, <clears throat> I wrote, uh, because I work from home anyway, I, I wrote part of it sitting in my lounge um, on one of those reclining office, one of those reclining armchairs with my laptop on a cushion on my lap. That's why they're called laptops, by the way. Hmm. Um, getting up every 20 minutes or so to go and make myself a cup of tea or you know, do something else. I wrote part of it sitting on a balcony on a flat overlooking Eridura Bay in Chile in the summertime, which was lovely. And I wrote the last chapter on a ferry going from Portsmouth in the UK to Santander in Spain, um, sitting in the bar. So, you know, to cut a long story short, the point is you don't need to be sitting in an office to get useful work done and be productive. So I see that that future trend is going to continue. Yeah, I, I I fully agree with you. I'm actually doing this this recording now in a in a small cabin in in the mountains of Norway. So so I I know what you mean. Lovely and 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 I I like the way like you describe because I think many times when you discuss with some ergonomics people, they they kind of think that the the official way of sitting in the office desk is the right way. And when I'm telling them that I'm actually working in an armchair or, or on a sofa, they are like, no, that's not good for you. But I think if you do it right, it's it's good. What's what's your take take on this? Well, my take on this is that a lot of the guidance, particularly in the you know, like the display the display screen um, equipment directives and, and regulations that we we have, a lot of that guidance is based on is well it's outdated and it's outdated because it's based on research that was conducted during the age of hyper sedentary office work um, so all of that guidance about you know how you should set up your workplace with your desktop computer and how your chair should have a lumbar support and the screen should be at a particular height that's based on the assumption that people are going to spend uh, more than four hours a day uh, in a working week working at the computer but for those of us who are accustomed, as you and I are, to using um, mobile technologies to do our work, well, we know that if you get uncomfortable sitting on your sofa, in your case, or me or my reclining armchair, um, 
or we get restless, you can just put your laptop to one side and, and stand up and um, uh, walk around. We can change position. In other words, we're not fixed to one um, workplace with a desktop computer in an office where we can't get up um, at will. You know, a lot of people are self-conscious about getting up and moving in offices anyway because they think that other people will look at them um, or think they're not working. Um, so I, I think that um, a lot of the advice that we have is based on the assumption um, that people are going to be working at the same desk uh, with a desktop computer um, all day, every day. Um, whereas in mobile devices, that's not the case. Um, and in fact, if you do use mobile devices, you know, cell phones and, and laptops, you can move around all the time. And there's lots of hacks you can do um, to change posture and make your um, working life healthier um, and still get useful work done. I mean, one of my favorites that I always recommend people should do, particularly if they're working from home, is do not leave your cell phone on your desk where you are working. Um, put it in another part of the room or even in another part of the house and when it rings you will have to get up and walk across the room or part of another part of the house to answer it and when you're speaking mm. on your cell phone do it in a standing position yeah i i i fully agree with that i i like to use sound messages i like to walk when when uh talking on the phone this podcast is sponsored by fibian Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy-to-understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian, from researchers to researchers. If, if I go a little bit back, like uh, you mentioned that there's quite many papers already from 70s and 80s. And when I was actually writing the white paper related to dynamic standing and, and static standing, I was surprised how many of the references I ended having from 70s, 80s and 90s and not so many from later ones. Do you, you think there is less research on ergonomics these days? I think there's a lot of research on ergonomics now. It is, there's loads, um, but it's not on um, workspace design. I think in our in our field in, in ergonomics, anyway, um, office ergonomics went out of fashion. Um, I think a lot of the academics, in particular, weren't interested um, because they wanted to get more involved in looking at new technologies, you know, like self-driving cars, artificial intelligence, all this kind of thing. And I think also there was a concern that they didn't want people to think that ergonomics was all about chairs. Um, but there is a danger here that they'll also miss an opportunity to, um, um, to get engaged with an area where there's a lot of change going on and where our expertise uh, really can help. Um, but as you, as you rightly say, um, 
there was a lot of good old research on standing, um, uh, which to my knowledge is not very well known or used, and, and it should be. And it's one of the reasons I, I wrote the book, because I felt that I wanted to get this information out to people um, um, so that they could read about it and learn about it and, um, um, and get some good, useful advice about how to organize their daily working lives. Mm. And, and if we go back to dynamic standing, what, what are the main points related to dynamic standing? How much you should sit off the day and how much you should, uh, should be standing? What, what would be your guidelines for this? My guidelines would be, um, it depends how dynamic you are. And I, I would take uh, the approach of ergonomics and human factors. And so let's, let's, let's just forget about this question. Is it better to stand all day and work at your computer at a standing desk or is it better to sit? Let's look at it a bit more um, analytically and say, well, I have a, a, a way of uh, thinking about this, which I describe in the book. And it's called um, the active triangle. And so what you need to achieve is you have to answer three questions. Question one is, how active do I want to be today? Question two is, what active workstation options have I got? And question three is, what task am I doing? Because some tasks are best done seated, and some tasks are actually more suited to standing. Um, and certainly can be done very, very well in standing. So I'll give you an example. We did some research on standing work at computers in the 90s, which we published. Um, and we gave people a cognitively demanding task to do um, at a computer in a standing position. And what we found was, and we, we measured postural sway very, very accurately. Um, and what we found was that they stood very, very still became uncomfortable after 20 minutes um, and the discomfort just got worse and worse and worse as time went on. Um, and no one would continue standing with that amount of discomfort unless they really had to. Mm. Um, then what we did, we, we asked the subjects to just stand still doing nothing and stand as still as they could doing absolutely nothing. And what we found was that standing to work at the computer was they were standing almost as still as 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 you can stand, put it that way, which of course is unnatural, unhealthy, and uncomfortable. So the recommendation coming from that is if you are doing mentally demanding work at your computer that requires you to have your hands on that keyboard and look at that screen all the time, that's guaranteed to fix your body into a very static position is unhealthy so i would recommend for that type of work um, you should sit down and that's probably where one of one of the um one of the tasks where the old-fashioned you know um, display screen equipment regulations still apply um, but my advice would be um don't sit don't sit down for too long because um, sitting down for long periods of time is that level of inactivity. It's it's a little more active than than staying in bed all day and is unhealthy. However, if you're doing some other kinds of office tasks, so remember, remember, imagine for example that you've got um, a big pile of printouts from the photocopier and you have to sort them out into piles, you know, to make into reports. 
That's a perfect task to do in a standing position. Why? It, it's better because, firstly, you're manipulating objects. Secondly, reach is greater than in standing than it is in sitting, so you'll be able to move more comfortably and freely. Uh, thirdly, you can move your feet to reach as well, and moving your feet's good because it activates the venous muscle pump. And another reason is that lumbar disc pressures are lower in standing than in sitting. So if you've got any loads to manipulate, you'd be putting less strain on your back. And so for people who get um, um, uh, who have symptomatic lumbar discs and you get back pain, it, it's probably a better task to do standing up. So that's the kind of model that I would use uh, for standing and sitting, is pick, the, pick your tasks. Uh, talking on the phone is a great one to do in the standing position. And it's very naturally, particularly now with cell phones, because people talk on their cell, cell phones um, all the time. The reason it's good is that when you're talking on a cell phone, uh, you, your body isn't fixed in space. You know, you can walk, you can move around, you can turn. It, you, you can be active without it interfering with the task that you're doing, which is having a conversation with someone. Yeah, I, I think those are great, great points. I, I really like, and I think I have done, done naturally like that without really paying, paying attention. So it was interesting when you said that if you need to concentrate a lot to a task, you will become static. How do you see then in the opposite way? Because I've, I've been interested of what kind of posture gives me the best kind of mental state to do certain tasks. Like, you know, there's a long tradition of, for example, doing meditation in certain positions. And I think when you walk slowly, it's it's a creative thing many philosophers have been doing long walks and get their best ideas yes. for that how, how do you see it in the opposite way that the posture controls your mental state there's a there's a um, th th there is some research on this I, i know what you're talking about you're talking about the the socratic walk where socrates used to walk around um, discussing philosophy in ancient greece yeah and um, yeah um, walking slowly From what I've, the literature I've seen, for example, treadmill desks, um, you know, should you use a treadmill desk or not? Uh, the answer is, depends what you're doing and depends how fast you're walking. Um, the recommendation I saw was if you walk more than about three kilometers an hour, which is like a gentle stroll, that can start to interfere with um, mental processing, um, as well as with your keyboard skills for tasks that require a lot of um, accurate keyboard movements so i think one of the drawbacks with sitting of course particularly in these reclining computer chairs is that you'll become understimulated and and, and start to fall asleep particularly after lunch um you know when you get the post-lunch dip and you're um, yeah um, so maybe standing after lunch is a particularly good time to stand So yeah. I, I think again it depends what what are you doing, um, what task is it, and um, I, but I think that there is a limit to how active you can be. To answer your question, when it comes to cognitively demanding tasks, there is a limit to how active you can be, um, because um, I, one theory that I've read is if you start to do um, tasks that are. Um, physically demanding, you get all of this um, um, afferent feedback 
from the nervous system coming into the brain. And that actually steals capacity from the frontal cortex to the other parts of the brain that control movement, like the cerebellum and that, and that affects your mental performance. Though I don't know whether that's true, but I can I can give you a paper on that if you're interested. But um, we did do some research a couple of years ago <coughs> with the Navy on exoskeletons. And mm. we gave people a, a mentally demanding task to do. Well, it's, it's a task of sustained attention. Mm. Um, we gave them a task of sustained attention to do. Um, and this was after they'd been holding quite stressful static postures with and without an exoskeleton. And we found that um, just maintaining an uncomfortable static posture um, that placed quite a, quite a load on the lower limbs, um, semi-squatting posture, that actually uh, consumed attentional resources. And it took longer than 15 minutes to recover those mental resources. So I think one has to be careful when we recommend that people uh, are more active at work because there's a limit to how more active you can be without interfering with the performance of certain types of types of tasks. So there's a real limit to that. And I think the other reason is that um, if you if you want to um, to be more active, the other the other reason you've got to be careful with that is the kind of claims that you make about being more active at work and what the benefits are. And this is something where I would go back, you know, as we were discussing earlier about some of the old research stuff that's already very well known. Um, and part of that is that um, um, even with active office work, it's very healthy, it's better than sitting for many, many reasons, but don't expect um, to, to lose a lot of weight. Because you won't be able, because active office work is not exercise. It's not the kind of activity that's going to have that kind of training effect. What it, the benefits of it are to um, counter the unhealthy effects of inactivity. Because as you as as you well know, Ollie, um, the, the the research on sedentary behaviour shows that um, um, long periods of sitting all day every day are harmful in themselves, not just because um, you're not exercising, it's that inactivity is in itself harmful, um, and that even people who exercise a lot will benefit from sitting less. But that sitting less, that being more active, um, in practice it's difficult to um, do, it's, it's difficult to have the kind of activity that's sufficiently demanding to be called you know, real exercise. You won't lose much weight because mm. yeah i i basically agree fully everything what you say and that's like i said it's not always the case when i have talked with ergonomics people so i'm i'm very very excited about this discussion i i fully agree that it it takes away from attention when you are too active and that that the standing and activity is kind of too to get away from the adverse health effects of sitting. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. 
This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.